Welcome to Back from the Brink. I am Todd Brinker. So I was sitting here as I transitioned from our radio show to the podcast. Um, Aaron will be joining us shortly here. Uh, and I was thinking um, about Jabba the Hutt and Scooby-Doo, and it would be Jabba Dooby-Doo. So it would be like, I'm so ghost and Yeah, Jabba, Jabba Dooby-Doo. Um, forgive me that, you know, it's early, it's in the morning, it's seven o'clock, it's what comes into my head, jabba dooby doo. Um, we've had a variety of people on the radio today, and one of them was saying his favorite color was black, which he said his kids point out to him is not actually a color, and in, you know, color theory, people have had art classes, probably have had art teachers tell you that, hey, it's not a color, but he did point out it is in the crayon box, so there you go. I was looking at crayon colors and I'm beginning to wonder how old some of the crayon boxes I got were because you know there are some colors that crayon basically uh, retired before I was born which gives you an idea of how long crayon boxes must sit in in warehouses because burnt umber was retired in 1944 and I know I had a burnt umber crayon at one point in time um which makes me a little concern, concerned. And also ultramarine blue. Ultramarine blue was retired in 1944. Either that or I had like a throwback box at some point where, you know, a box of crayons that was like, you know, historically um, things that you don't remember anymore, you know, like burnt umber and raw umber. Uh, raw umber was around until 1990, so that one I probably did have. Um, uh, but, you know, like... Uh, Golden Ochre, or Maze, is what it was called. That one was also retired in 1990. Makes you wonder, you know, I guess they've got to have somebody whose job it is to say which crayons are being used the most and which ones are not. So you know, we're going around knocking on doors. Can I see your crayon box? Hmm, I notice you haven't used the raw umber for a while. Why don't we just quit making that one? Kids don't like raw umber. They'd much rather have chestnut or olive green. Or Midnight Blue or Magenta or Carnation Pink. Yes, I am reading the colors of the crayons in the box. What's cool is if you go to Wikipedia, you can actually go and find the um, hexadecimal um, uh, web number for many of the colors, at least those that have uh, a good uh, analog for on the web. So if you wanted to actually like re reflect specific crayon colors, you could do that as, uh, you know, uh, and, and black is one of them. It's been around since 1903. That was their beginning. Um, and that one, uh, the hexadecimal is, you know, the little hashtag is what they put in front of uh, web colors. It's 00000. zero, 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 zero. Uh, all uh, web colors are, are indicated by um, uh, a uh, hashtag or a hexadecimal triplets. So there's uh, two characters. A through F and 1 through 0, and they are um, in three, three pairs. So there's six, six characters there. So like turquoise blue is 6CDAE7. And nobody cares about this stuff, but I just found it interesting. I was, I was going through. Did you know that dandelion is still an available color? Uh, oh, wait a minute. Nope. It's, they stopped it in 2017. I'm a liar. It's no longer a, a, a regular color. Um, but macaroni and cheese is. Since 1993, you can get macaroni and cheese, which is that weird kind of orangish-yellow color um, that macaroni and cheese looks when it's coming right out of the craft box. 
Um, so, and a little bit darker of the same color is called tumbleweed. It's it's really funny, you know. I mean, the names they come up with this. They actually have a color called inchworm. It's been around since two thousand and three, and ironically, it looks a lot like the now defunct um, uh, uh, light chrome green. Light chrome green was stopped in nineteen thirty five, and now they sell inchworm, and it looks suspiciously a lot like the light chrome green. So I don't know. I think they're recycling stuff with new names. I think these guys are uh, pulling a fast one there. Um, but uh, I'm sure that they've got an explanation at the Crayola factory. Anyway, on to things of probably more important interest to most of the world than the color o crayons. Um, there are other things happening in the world, and we should be aware of that. If you have a child in high school sports, um, they have shuffled around the high school sports seasons in California. The uh, California Interscholastic Federation has done away with the fall season and basically merged it into the winter season so that they're now calling that fall. So there'll be a fall and a spring this year, fall starting in December. Why they didn't just say winter and spring because there was already a season there. It's beyond me. Well, I know why because football's in the fall. So they didn't want to say we're doing away with fall because then all the football people would freak out before they realized, no, 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 we're just taking football and moving it to the winter. So... Um, and that is the biggest high school sport by far in California and most places. So anyway, the, um, the biggest just in terms of, of fan base and people who pay attention. Being a swim coach, I know of sports where nobody pays attention, uh, except for the parents of the swimmers and the college swim coaches probably. Um, and, well, and high school swim coaches, obviously. But the um, so, so what they're doing is they're taking a bunch of the fall sports, taking all of the fall sports, and they're putting them into winter. They're taking some of the winter sports and sprinkling them into the spring. And they're shifting everything back a smidge. So they're going to start the spring season um, about 30 days later than they normally would. And it'll run 30 days later than it normally would. So instead of wrapping up in early May, it'll wrap up in early June. And assuming that we've got COVID on the run or handled or, or at least uh, have some methodology for allowing kids to go back to school and... Uh, and participate in sports that will all start up on December 3rd so gives us a little bit more time to figure out what's going on and figure out a way to handle this and so hopefully it will um, uh, get worked out and we'll actually be able to have some high school sports this year because right now uh, it's it's looking grim and we're clearly not going to have anything when school starts back up and here in California uh, the vast majority of schools are going to be starting online as designated by the governor if you're in one of, I think, 17 or 24 now of the 40-something uh, counties. Uh, so, it is what it is. Here's Erin. Let's have her join us. Hi, Erin. Are you there? I'm there. Hi. Yeah, we'll see if you stay this time. Last couple of days, you're like, you're here, and then you go. And you're still here? <laughs> I'm are still you, here. Are you, are you still here? <laughs> Can you hear me now? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that um, I was just sharing, going over the the CIF uh, uh, decisions again in terms of um, moving sports and stuff back, and hopefully, you know, by pushing everything back to a December third start, we will have a little bit more time to get a, our, our heads wrapped around the issues uh, involving COVID and maybe get some kids back on the ground. But you know, last week when the um, at the end of the week when the governor uh, essentially said most schools are going to be starting online, uh, the writing was on the wall for high school sports. And so um, CIF then just, you know, said, well, okay, here's our plan. 
uh, yesterday, late, late yesterday is when they came out with the notification that there will be no fall sports. Although I, it bothers me that they're saying they're going to have fall and spring as if the winter season didn't exist and they're just moving fall back. Well, they're moving fall back, but they're basically moving fall into what was the winter season. Right. I think the only reason that they're saying it's going to be a fall and a spring season instead of saying we're going to use a winter and a spring season, which is in reality what they're doing, is they didn't want the football people to freak out when they said we're doing away with the fall season. Yes. And so they just. And I got to tell you, people freak out. They love their football. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, well, wait a minute. Take a deep breath. We're not doing away with the sports. We're just doing away with the season. We're moving the fall season to winter is how I would have phrased that and just said we'll have a winter season and a uh, and a spring season because calling a December 3rd start a fall season is just silly. I think that's yes. that's that, honestly it bothers me much more than it should, but it just bothers me that they chose to do that. You know, we'll have a fall it and it feels a sp- manipulative. Nobody likes to be manipulated and it feels manipulative. Yeah, I mean it feels grammatically incorrect. <laughs> Just call a December start a fall season, but, um, you know, or, or if not grammatically, uh, you know, on your calendrically, according to your calendar. (laughs) Is that a thing? Can can it be calendrically incorrect? I don't know. Either way, uh, (laughs) fall is not December 3rd, people. Um, but, but football will be (laughs) December 3rd. Until what the twenty first of December? So yeah. technically, it's okay. still it's December. It's still fall. Sure, sure it is. <laughs> Winter I mean, starts the day year. after Thanksgiving is the reality of people's mentality. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's true. You know. Anyway, having lived so back east and had it had a, had a snowstorm on on uh, uh, Halloween. Uh, winter starts when when winter decides to start, <laughs> well, yeah, and that. the calendar calendar be damned. You know when the when the when the winter says it's winter, when the weather says it's winter, it's winter. Um, anyway, you were saying? No, I just um, you know there are some days when our radio show just flies by, and that was totally today. It was, like, I wasn't it? I looked at it, and we had five minutes, and I and then I looked at it again, and we were overtime. Like, yeah. Holy smokes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like you know, we, we we've got a hard out at seven o'clock, and we look up, and it's like seven o one, and you're like, ooh. <laughs> it, was, it was actually seven on our clock, seven and like thirty seconds. Yeah. Which might yeah. as well be seven o one. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, my my big clock in my shack out back studios runs about thirty seconds ahead of the clock that's synced with you know the online time on my computer. Ah. And so I can go back and, and adjust it every once in a while. But, yeah, same deal. It's like I looked up there, and it was 7.01. And, and so I knew we were, like, right up against it when you, you said, okay, we're done. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> Dang it. So, yeah, it happens. You know. It happens. You know, what can we say? Live radio uh, is live radio. It you really know, We're is. not perfect, but we have a lot of fun. So that's what it matters. It is. You know, as long as, as, long as it's uh, entertaining for the listeners and they're, uh, you know, we're informative and, and hopefully – uh, talking about stuff that they hadn't otherwise thought about, like, you know, the color of crayon boxes. And, and you know. <laughs> I actually sat and Googled and, you know, at, at the different colors that are available in crayon and the colors that have been retired over the years. And I was going through some of that stuff on the commercial breaks, you know, because I was like, hey, this is kind of interesting. Um, and actually continued a little bit of those that thinking on as I started up the podcast. And if anybody is still listening, I quit talking about crayons. So uh, you, you, come on back. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, you know, yeah, it's it's I, not I the most exciting thing in the world. Being a kid and getting the big sixty-four crayon box with the sharpener in the back, mm-hmm. and thinking, "Wow, I just have the greatest thing ever." I ever. wanted that because- desperately as a kid, and my mother having an art background, and my parents being, um, uh, you know, military people who who did not have an excess of money and were raising four kids. I never got the big box. I was given like a uh, small box of 24 colors and said, you know, my mother showed me how to mix the colors. Basically, if you color one color over the other color that you could kind of get a blended color. And it was like, oh, see, there you go. And, and it was fine. I got that. It's nice that I got that education. I desperately wanted the big box. I literally, <laughs> when I became a sort of pseudo adult, went out and bought a box of crayons. <laughs> the big one with the, with the sharpener. sharpener. Yeah. And you know what? I bought it was a retro box inside of a tin so that like you could save the you know dump the crayons into the tin as they got smaller because they don't stick out of the box very well when they get little. Right. Um, I still have that box. It is in pristine condition. It has never been used. I have that perfect retro wow. box that I bought sometime in the 80s. Um wow. and it and it is in in pristine condition unless of course one of my daughters got to it which could be the case. Now it's all banged up and full of makeup. Um, yeah, well, the box is still there. I know where the box is. It's in pristine condition. I haven't opened it to see if there's any crayons left and what kind of shape they're in. Um, ah, okay. I'll tell you what, though. Had they asked for the box of 72, they'd have gotten it because that was one of those things that was like, come on, Mom and Dad, that's not that expensive, and I desperately <laughs> wanted it. And they were like, no, you can blend colors. You don't need all those colors. That's so bourgeois. And I'm like, grr. You know, I kind of get in retrospect my parents not buying me the Erector set because the you know box of ten thousand microscopic screws and bolts all yes. over the floor that my friends had was probably not a great thing to have in the house. Um, you know, would have built or some manual dexterity cleaner. exactly. You know, imagine that rattling in vacuums across the country now, for many years. And this is the seventies, folks, so people had yeah. shag carpet. Oh yeah, you gets see sucked up into your Hoover. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it was, it, you know, I, I get that. So in retrospect, I get that. Um, you know, and I like the Lincoln logs that I got instead. What I would have liked to have had was maybe some, well, well one of the erector set, but you know, maybe Legos would have been nice cause they're a little bit more buildy. They've always been pricey though. You know, you're never yeah. happy with what you got, right? It's like the Lincoln Logs oh, were okay, but I got Lincoln Logs because my dad had Lincoln Logs, and it's like, well, Lincoln these Logs were, are cool. They were Although cool they when you know now. they were cool in the '40s. Um, yeah, a Lincoln Log made out of plastic—that's not a Lincoln Log. That's a, That's a badly designed Lego. <laughs> um, yeah. No, right? and and honestly, when I I think I was just a little behind the Lego thing. I think kids born. Um, Five to ten years younger than me, Legos were sort of coming in. When I was a kid, Legos weren't a thing. Um, but, uh, you know, there were some that have a few. that Tinker Toys. I had some Tinker Toys, too. Tinker Toys were around. Those also have gone plastic in a lot of ways. And, yes. you know, those were all wooden when I was a kid. Um, I loved Tinker Toys. I yeah. loved them. They were so fun. And um, and I loved my, my brother did have an erector set. Um, and, yeah, we Lucky did get bastard. screws everywhere. You'd step on them because, <sighs> again, shag carpet. 
and yeah. you step on them. And but he got they, it. Those he hurt. Got you it. Think a Lego hurts? A screw really hurts. He was the envy of all his friends. Let me tell you, <laughs> the Erector set was like the the Mount Everest of boys' toys at at a certain point in time. That that was just you know in that little capsulated time, if you had the Erector set, you were the cool kid. And, and uh, he used to get models. So oh, um, I got a lot of those. You know, and they and they were. You know, later they came the there came the ones that you would snap together, but the ones that he had were always just the glue, and you could paint right. them. And, yeah, you know, no, I gl- like I would glue cool. them together, and then and then uh, carefully paint them to make them look as original as possible. And then I even sometimes would make them look like they had been in a battle. Like you could take a um, uh, straighten out a piece of a wire hanger and heat it up over the stove, and you could push through the plastic, so you could make it look like they was like. Uh, gunshot holes in the wing of your World War II airplane that you had built. Cool. And, uh, oh, yeah, I went in big time on my on my model making and really enjoyed that for a period of uh, years when I was sort of, I want to say probably fifth through eighth grade-ish, I was really yeah. into models. That's sort of the, the time period where, um, you know, I could sit for hours and assemble little bitty pieces of plastic whatever to make a, a thing. And I tended to focus on, like, uh, I know different people had different things they like to make. I like to make, uh, like, World War II airplanes and tanks. Those were the things uh-huh. that were interesting to me at that point in time. And I know other people made cars. There were some beautiful ships uh, of different a- eras that you could make. Um, well, and in I retrospect, I wish I... Like your dad was in the Air Force. Right, yeah, yeah. And and so at the uh, the toy store there on base, they they stocked a lot of models of airplanes because, yeah, we were on an Air Force base, so there were lots of planes to be picked from. Um, I, I remember building, my dad did some testing uh, of some equipment, some, some uh, he did uh, research in and work on um, uh, guidance and control systems for um, uh, missiles and things, and they tested them in a rack that they put in the back of a cargo plane. And so I got a model of, in fact, I think he bought me this one. He bought me a model and asked me to build it for him of the C-141 Starlifter cargo plane, which is the plane that he flew in. And so I remember building that and carefully painting it and making sure that it, and putting the decals on to make sure it looked just like the plane that he flew in. Um, Oh, that's so cool. And I think he had that on his desk for a long time. Um, And so I remember doing that one. In retrospect, I wish I had spent more time and effort building World War I airplanes because those I find fascinating that people were, like, jumping into these basically things made out of, like, wood, you know, mus- muslin, um, muslin cloth and, uh, and wire and strapping an engine onto the front of it and saying, okay, let's go fly. Um, <laughs> those people were just crazy, and those airplanes were so basic. But just the, the, the development of the history of, you know, those really early days of the, you know, uh, from the Wright brothers up through about 1920 is just those airplanes are uh, just astoundingly basic and simple. And yet people figured out a way to do it and, you know, took their life in their hands every time they jumped in one and said, OK, let's go fly an airplane. You know, um, I have to say those were the toys that we had in the 70s really forced you to um to create and you know we often created stories around whatever it was that we mm-hmm. were building whether it was from the erector set or from the tinker toys or whatever um and and it 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 create it made us creative right and if mm-hmm. we wanted something 
we had to find a way to make it ourselves, right? We didn't run to the store and buy it. Um, and, uh, you know, I thought, I, I, looking back, that was that was a blessing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a mix of that, although I always, you know, I remember me playing with Matchbox and my dad saying that those were a waste of money, that he used rocks in his imagination for car, you know. And I'm like, <laughs> well, good, you know. Um, Good for you, so, Dad. Yeah, so I tried, tried, tried. Now, I'd have to talk to my daughters to find out if I did that, but I really tried not to do that to them too much, you know? It wasn't like, oh, well, I got by on, of course, them being girls, me being boys, we, they, you know, they weren't as interested in some of the same types of toys that I was. That said, I also didn't, like, gender force them into, like, buying dolls and tea sets, you know? Um, yeah, well, you they, had one daughter who was really into dolls, and one who wasn't. Right, right. And uh, and so, you know, when I got toys, I mean, you know, it was, it was uh, I thought it was cool, thought they might have fun with it. Didn't matter to me if the toy was, you know, something that would be traditionally thought of as male or female. Um, I know that, you know, they had relatives, aunts and things that would buy them tea sets. And, and you know, they got plenty of the opportunity to do the, the, the girl things. You know, dad's job was to let them explore all the world. (laughs) Besides, I wanted to play with them. And if I wanted to get toys that I could play with. (laughs) It wasn't going to be a tea set. It wasn't going to necessarily. Although I played with the tea sets, too. And I was, you know, I was the dad that would sit on the floor and let them put ponytails in my hair. And, and, uh, you know, I did that. That was part of dadding. You know, that's that's dadding. You know, especially the the hashtag girl dad, you know, Kobe um, had a whole meme going for a while about uh, girl dad. And I I could really relate to that. You know, um, there's there's lots of discussions online about people who obsess about, you know, gendering toys or not gendering toys. And it's like, just let your kid be a kid. Yeah, they'll they'll pick up what they like. Don't keep a bunch of garbage on on them if they want to play with a baby doll and they're a boy or a girl let them play with a baby doll yeah. if they're like most kids in short order they'll be sick of it it'll get thrown onto the side and they'll be onto something else right yeah they, they'll they'll pick out the things they like and that they'll they'll lug around and you know um your husband my brother uh had a uh mr potts now if you remember um in uh chitty chitty bang bang um mr potts was the uh was dick van dyke's character he um uh, was the inventor, right? Yes. And and yes. so he had a little Mr. Potts doll, a little stuffed doll with a string on the back, and you'd pull it, and he would then you'd hear you'd hear Dick Van Dyke's uh, voice say, "I'm you know, chief inventor and bottle washer. Um, you know, hello, I'm Correcticus Potts. You know, and and so and even after the doll had completely disintegrated, he'd carry around the little voice box and pull the string because he just liked hearing it. It made, gave him comfort, and he liked it. And he was a little kid, but he loved that thing. You know, kid, that's awesome. Kids will find the thing that they like. To this day, if you ta- if you mention that, I'm sure he'll start telling you stories about about Mr. Potts and 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 how he remembered that that toy. You know, I'm sure um, he would, because uh, it was super cool. Um, you know, although it was probably pretty cheaply made because it didn't last that long. But uh, <laughs> um, he didn't seem to care. He didn't. He got joy out of it, and that's what toys are for. They're to bring joy to a kid, right? And who cares what the toy is? Like I said, the child will gravitate to the ones that they like. And, and like you said, that could last a day, a week, a month, a year. And then that one's done and they move on to the next one. Or eventually, if some of them stick around quite a long time, they'll, they'll you know, hang on to it just out of, out of uh, you know, sort of an emotional attachment and say, oh, I'm going right. to hang on to that one, you know. 
my daughter, who uh, Katie, who who was the the one who liked dolls, um, still has her favorite doll. And in fact, uh, Misty B travels with her. When she travels, Misty B still goes with her. Uh, when we when she was little, we have pictures of Misty B travel. We have pictures of Misty B at her preschool graduation, wearing a cap and gown that we made for her. Um, you know, Misty B is part of the family, <laughs> and so uh, you know, it's just like, yeah, you know, we bring her with us because you know, she's. She's part of us. And so my son, when he was really little, had a, a little, it was like a, it's just a plush, well, not a plush, but like a cloth, like a raggedy handy kind of doll. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's kind of um, how, how Mr. Potts was. He was kind of this floppy, soft. Yes, exactly. And right. he looked like him. He had blonde hair and blue eyes. And right. we, called him little, we called him Little Al. And Little Al stayed in his bed, I think, until he was in high school. Not that he would, not that he would, I mean, he wasn't playing with Little Al at that point, but. Um, yeah, you just know, had this emotional just, attachment. It was like he's part of my youth. I want to remember him. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, you know, that's how Misty is, B is. He is a he is a well adjusted, successful man now, and it didn't it didn't hinder him in any way. Again, mm-hmm. you know, is he, Little Al still around somewhere? No, I think he got rid of Little Al. Eventually, he, he said, out. "Yes, I'm too manly men for this." Yeah, oh, that happens. Know. That happens. You know, yeah. those social pressures. It's like, yeah, I'm not moving into my dorm with little Al. Yeah, <laughs> I get it. I so, get but, it. You know, I, I don't know. I just, I, I, I hate that we keep adult things onto children. You know, right. I really do. Let children be children. They don't need to know any politics or what. They don't need to know. They don't need. <laughs> if they want to play dress up, let them play dress yeah, up. Yeah, they, they don't need to know the sexual uh, uh, leanings of characters on cartoons no they don't right as we were saying yesterday was it we were talking about the new scoob movie the scooby-doo movie and it's like you know that that, we don't care who who velma chooses to to express um you know interest in we don't it has nothing to do with the story of scooby-doo and and does not add to the story in any way it does not belong there we don't need any kind of moralizing in scooby-doo beyond the uh do the right thing which is sort of the story behind every scooby-doo movie even though you know scooby and shaggy always bum fumble it up well meaningly but they always mess it up and then and then you know the others figure it out and and usually Velma's the one who figures it out because she's the smart one, right? She is the uh, smart one with with her glasses. Yeah, of course, because smart people always wear glasses. Because um, you know it's a cartoon. Um, just let a cartoon be innocent. Yes. You know, quit trying you know, to be and, preachy and to the world. Sesame Street did that too. You know, they had Bert and Ernie. You know, had it had to be known that they were in a relationship. It's like they're puppets. They don't. Nobody needs to know that. I, yeah. I, although I suppose. As I'm, as I'm saying this, you know, if somebody has same sex, a little guy has same sex parents, maybe it makes him feel more normal. And and I guess that's fine. I guess, I don't know. I just, I, I just think that we should leave adult things to the adults and ch- childish things to children. Yeah. Well, we don't need to know everything that we know. Well, and here's the other end of it, too. It's like, I, you know, if you want to have characters that have, um, uh, you know, additional information about them, about, you know, that, that, and I, and I, I, in the same way, you know, it's, it's, I'm trying to think of an example, um, you know, but there's, you can create a new character. Don't take a, a beloved character and suddenly change them in order to, to make some political point that's relevant now. Um, yeah. that wasn't there when they started, you know, I mean, when they, when the new, um, Star Trek 
was rebooted a few years ago, they decided to make the character of Sulu gay, and they did it in a very subtle way. There was just one scene where, you know, they're like, they're docked for a while, and as he disembarks, he he's, you know, sees his husband and child, or partner and child. I don't know if they're actually married. I don't know how that works in Star Wars land and whether or not they're, yeah, they still get married in Star Wars, so, or not Star Wars. Star, Star, Trek. Star Trek. Excuse me for the tongue fumble there. Um, yeah, yeah, please, please don't get upset about the fact that I did that. I, I love both. Um, the, um, you know, and, and even um, uh, the fairly um, open and gay uh, actor, um, oh, now I'm blanking on his name, who played Sulu in the original Star Trek um, series. Takei, uh, Takei, George Takei. Thank you. Yeah, George Takei. Uh, came out and said this isn't necessary (laughs) you know he says why are you doing that to Sulu you know that that's that's dumb and you know kudos to him and everybody was like okay fine you know it's if you want to have a gay character then create a gay character don't go messing with characters that are already there that we already feel like we know and have watched for years and now you're going to just add this new thing in there about this person that's irrelevant to anything that that person does because the rest of the movie that doesn't play into anything there's no no tie back to it there's no it has no relevance at all it was just the people who did the movie wanted to make a political statement and i read later that then they had to take out that scene when they played it the movie in china because the chinese government didn't want the only asian actor to be portrayed as gay ah yeah well they said they don't have an issue with having gay characters they just don't want the only asian actor in the show to be the one who they make gay and so, you know, so they pulled it out in order to show the movie in China. Otherwise, they didn't get to show it in China. So it was like, I don't know, was that a political statement that they were trying to do something to force China to tell them that not, you know, not to do it so that they could then point to China and say, see how awful Chinese are? Um, you know, I don't know. You know, we, all those kind of political games are played all the time. And, and it has no business in storytelling. No, I mean, but at least that movie is not for children specifically. Right. Those you of know, us who are children at heart. Just trying to, you know, do a nod to George Takai, and you know, as because he came out long after the show wrapped, and um, um, and uh, you know, maybe they were just trying to express their love for him, and um, you know, I, 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 but it's not, it's not. My issue is 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 really just about um, about children. Some people were really bent out of shape about Dumbledore being, you know, when 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 it was revealed that he um, was gay, but. It did, that didn't bother me as much because you're talking about older children reading that, I, you know, but the little ones who watches, you know, I'm thinking about when, how old was I when I was watching Saturday morning cartoons? And I understand that Saturday morning cartoons aren't a thing anymore, but, um, you know, that's that's elementary school age. Right. Well, and it's different to say after the fact that you wrote this character as gay than writing it into the story where he then comes out or or, or demonstrates that he is gay. You know, right. those who watch the story don't know and don't care. Don't care. You know, it's 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 what you do in your bedroom, and what other people do in their bedroom is their business. I yeah, don't exactly. care. Um, you know, I support people who have been, uh, you know, uh, treated badly or 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 treated illegally in in jobs because of who they are, regardless of whether it's you know skin color or gay. I mean, I think that that those are things that that. You know, shouldn't happen. People should not be treated badly for who they are. But it doesn't mean that it, that you go and take again beloved characters and stories that have been told and change them around. 
you know, um, again, I can't I, I don't think it can be said any more clearly than George Takei, the original Sulu, came out and said, uh, I don't think this is a good thing. <laughs> you know, he, yeah. he said Sulu shouldn't shouldn't be shouldn't be, you know, taken out. of the, They shouldn't make him gay. Don't mess with the character. He already exists. And in fact, I think if you look back at the um, uh, some of the previous, um, um, you know, early Sulu or like the original series, um, there were times where he was um, uh, in scenes with women, and you know, it was this part of the character at that point in time that he wasn't gay. So now they've changed it. Um, you know, if George Takei, a, a openly gay man. And, and person who originated the character says it wasn't a good idea. I go with him, you know. Yep, 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 yep. So he is um, speaking of you know he created this absolutely beloved character. Yeah. And um, you know, and he is he is wildly popular as as uh, an individual too. As he's an such an interesting too. guy, such he an interesting really is. guy, and such a voice for 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 a, a tiny person. You know, he he has that rich voice. And immediately, immediately identifiable. You know, and he, um, his parents, I think, were in Manzanar. And so he will talk mm-hmm. about what it's like to be, what was, you know, in, um, for them to be in these Japanese internment camps mm-hmm. during World War II. And it's, and it's an interesting, um, he, he plays an important role in, in letting people know what happened. Um, and now I think that he actually, in elevating that discussion of what happened, and sorry, there's a plane flying overhead, um, I think because he's such a likable and famous person, um, uh, people were more receptive to to hear his message. Right. And so, um, yeah. you know, Manzanar yeah. is on my list of places that I want to go visit, and I've never been there. Mm-hmm. You know, it's out in the middle of, you yeah. know, the Edwards. Yeah, it's, it's not on the way to anywhere. Um, no, no. I mean, it's on the way, I suppose, to, to, to Mammoth. Yeah, on the way to more nothing. It's on the way to Mammoth if you take a big detour. Um, it's not really even on the way to Mammoth. I mean, it's, it's isn't a, it's, it off the three ninety five? Yeah, but it's way off. Um, so it's, oh. it's, it's there's you, you drive out into nothing for quite a ways. It's um, oh, see, I didn't know that. Yeah, there's not a whole lot out there. Um, here's an, a, a direct quote from George Takei: uh, "I am delighted there's a gay character. Unfortunately, it's a twisting of Gene's creation to which he put so much thought. I think it's really unfortunate." Interesting. Interesting. Well, he loved the character. Yeah. yeah. Clearly. Yeah. And he just said, you know, it's uh, there's they, nothing wrong with having a gay character. I love the fact that they've done that. Just shouldn't probably have been him. It should have maybe been a new character that they brought in um, rather than taking a character, a beloved character, and changing something significant about them. You know, that'd be like saying we're going to create a character named Sulu but we're going to make him, you know, uh, a, a, a white guy from, from Alabama. <laughs> you yeah, know? that's not going to work. <laughs> yeah, and, and you think there would have been a little bit of an uprising about that, people going like, yes. wait a minute, whoa, <laughs> that's yes. not Sulu. Mr. Sulu, played by Will Smith. Yeah, hey, you know, Sulu. Another direction. Yeah, exactly, you know. He's not so. Sulu, he's Sulu. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. You know, I mean, we can move on, but it just, you know, it, it, that said, you know, all of this complaining, and I actually watched the movie, and I liked the movie, and bought the movie. I mean, you know, it didn't, it didn't like detract from the movie. It was just sort of a why. So why? I I actually really liked 
like the franchise, and I, I love the mm-hmm. most recent reboot because the each one of those characters, each one of those actors plays the characters so well. It um, was cast fact, I, really well. Oh my goodness! I actually I, I read somewhere that Leonard Nimoy was so moved by Carl Urban's depiction of um, McCoy. I mean, because he and oh, I've just forgotten the actor's name. Um, DeForest um, Kelly. DeForest Kelly were good friends, and so to see right. Carl Urban's um, McCoy was 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 surreal for him. Yeah, because all of those guys, I think that everybody, the cast was really well cast, but then it it appears to me, and I haven't read anything to this effect, but it really appears to me that A, either they were all fans, or B, they spent a lot of time just studying the mannerisms and the speech patterns of the people who they were, you know, these characters that they were taking over, so that there was a continuity, and they did such an amazing job. Can you um, imagine the pressure? Like, you're playing this character that... that you know, so Star iconic. Trek didn't run for very long. Three and, but years. It's been, um, yeah, it's been since since it wrapped. There have been, I mean, there's still conventions and people dress up in the costumes and these yeah. fans love it so much. So you know, if you played it any differently, then yeah. they would skewer you. Yeah, you mess and this so, up, boy, and, and and you will be hated. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And so, yeah. what pressure for the actors? And clearly, clearly, the people they chose were the right people. Yeah. I think everybody did a great job. Yeah. Now, I just recently rewatched the three reboot movies um, and hope that they do another one um, post-COVID. But um, I haven't actually checked to see if there's another one planned. But um, they are immensely entertaining. I love the fact that Leonard Nimoy is in some of it, that he, he you know, is there and involved with it. And... Uh, and they're just they're they're well told stories, and it's funny because they're even you know they're bringing back characters that you remember from the original series and from the original movies. They tied them in, but they're all done, you know, with a new twist. And they did the whole little timeline shift so that now they can kind of tell tell the same stories differently, and yet with yes. the same characters and the same people. And they've done a really good job of embodying the the character, um, you know, each of the new actors, and it just it it. It's it's kind of heartwarming for the, for fans, right, to watch this new one and go like, oh yeah, that that's McCoy. That's the way he would react. Yep, yep, yes. that, that's Spock. He does he does a great job, um, you know, uh, playing Spock. I'm blanking on the guy's name that took over the role from, um, but but it, you know, visually they are so close to each other. That it works really well. It does, it does, and and. Uh... Yeah, talk about big shoes to fill. And the good news is for him that that uh, Leonard Nimoy was still alive um, to to coach him um, in the you know the first few the first two movies that they made, right? So um, right, yeah. In the reboots, yeah. So. Well, that, talk about intimidating. You're playing this I, super iconic character. I mean, of all the super. characters on the show, he's probably the yes. most iconic. And then um, uh, to have him right there, you know, yes. <laughs> it's like. Uh, no, but but yeah. also what a great resource too. You know, you could turn to him and go, um, "How would you do this? What what you know? What you know?" In that two thousand and nine film originally, you know, it's like, well, you know, when would you lift your eyebrow? You know, I mean, little things like that um, that uh, just worked really well. Uh, Zachary uh, Quinto. 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 
is how you say it. I, I don't know how to pronounce his name, but uh, yeah. Quinto he's, or Kinto, but I think yeah, it's Kinto. Kinto. Yeah, he, he does an awesome job. I liked him a lot in, um, uh, what was that TV show that they did? It was like, uh, I want to say Heroes or something like that. Oh, it was he, Heroes. Save the, save the Cheerleader, Save the World Heroes. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah, and, and I enjoyed him in that. He played sort of the bad guy there. Um, and did a great job. He's 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 you know, like super talented, but um, uh, yeah, he he does. I mean, that honestly, watching this new thing, the, the the new the reboot, my biggest concern was who's going to play Spock and how well is it going to be done. And right. he nailed it, in my mind, um, just absolutely nailed it. You know, and then obviously, I mean, all of the main characters were important. You know, Simon Pegg does Scotty really well. Oh my gosh, so well so well yeah. yeah you know um you know and, and now i want to watch these movies yeah yeah you know it's funny like i said i just watched all three of them in the last like two or three weeks and i may go back and watch them again just talking about it because they're that good and 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 i gotta say too absolutely heartbroken that uh, anton yelchin has passed and can't play Chekhov again you know so um, and how he passed was it's horrifying horrifying oh my gosh for those yeah. who don't know, he was essentially pinned by a rolling his own rolling car up against uh, a gate and and crushed. Yeah, it was just yeah. Um, horrible. Yeah, it was uh, 2016. He didn't show up to rehearsal for a show he was working on. He uh, uh, was found by friends just before midnight, pinned between his Jeep Grand Cherokee and a brick pillar mailbox outside of his Studio City home. Uh, he was. It was described uh, as a freak accident. He got out of his car and went to what they believe is he got out of his car to check his uh, locked gate. The vehicle apparently rolled back down his driveway, which was on a steep incline, and trapped him against the pillar and security fence. Uh, he was pronounced dead on the scene when they found him. Blunt traumatic asphyxia. So he was either crushed and or asphyxiated by being pinned there. God. God. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine? Set your no. brake. A little thing like that. You forget to set your brake. And as a result, you, you're gone. I just, it's, and I've, you know, I've gone and seen, uh, I mean, he, he was a young man. He had not done a ton of stuff, but I've gone and seen some of his other movies as a result of this one. I just went and looked at some of them. And he's so talented. I think this guy would have had an amazing career if he had had lived a little longer. Um, I mean, he did quite a lot in the short time that he was with us. But, um, uh, yeah, he, um, you know, will be deeply missed. And if they do another Star Trek movie, um, you know, I almost hope that they um, just kill the character. Yeah. You know, and rather than have somebody else do it again in this in this version of the world. You know, he, I hate to say it, but I, you know, he he did such a good job um, that uh, you know, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, you know, yep. they can also they can also bring somebody back, right? And say say this is him. Um, I don't know. I don't know how they would yeah. handle that. So we are completely out of time. Time has come again. Once again, yes. we run up against the clock. Um, so, uh, just for fun, hamburger, there we go. And, uh, you know, we, we don't want to miss a day where we talk about food. So, 
Uh, thank you for joining us on Back from the Brink. You can catch us here weekdays uh, live streaming um, from 7 to 7.45-ish on uh, online. It's 2 p.m. UTC. Uh, we follow the radio show in the San Bernardino area, KCAA Radio morning show back or on the brink this show is called back from the brink i'm todd brinker i'm aaron brinker have a great day (laughs) 